All right, we're back. It's Bill and Dan. And Bill watched – what was it? I forget what it was called. It's Unexplained? So it's uh, History Channel series The Unexplained with William Shatner. Uh, season 4, episode 10, which is The Missing Link. Uh, and they talk about um, all of our relatives. <laughs> uh, this and is... the, the show's done kind of in two parts. And I think we're going to talk about the first part, which deals a little bit more with evidence they've found of different fossil species and things like that. And then they get into some of the more unexplained type stuff in the second half of the episode. Uh, but there's a lot to well, talk I wanna, about. Yeah, let's let's talk about the science on this. I mean, that's something that's been, you know, I've been trying to piece this sort of idea together for a while. And I've gone so far as to try and put together a little timeline to figure mm-hmm. out what we're what we're talking about here. And and once you sort of stop and realize, you know, now that we've we've lengthened the the quote unquote lifespan of Homo sapien now. You know, officially, we found a bone, or jawbone, three hundred thousand years ago. That's where we're at now. We're yeah, at three hundred thousand. The goalpost moved back like a hundred thousand years, very well, recently. And, it, and it, I feel like it was only sixty or seventy thousand years ago in the fifties. You know, I mean, it's we've, we've so let's pushed talk it about that a couple times. <clears throat> I am a child of the eighties. You know, I went to school in the eighties, um, elementary school, and then all through the nineties and all of that. Uh, and when I started school, Neanderthal was a caveman, a primitive form of ancestor that was a direct line from us, and there was something in between. They always talked about the missing link and the, it the was, other it missing was, links. It was Ugg caveman. Yeah, it was Ugg caveman smash. You know, no, no culture. Um, even though we're now finding out some of these discoveries were happening while we were in school being taught this stuff. Um, the, the, the idea of Neanderthal, and I don't think you've been to the Smithsonian yet. Have you, have you been to the natural history museum in, in DC? I can't remember. I went in, I went in high school. Okay. Middle so, school. I went to middle school. Yeah. I, I went when I was in grad school and what fascinated me walking around that museum, it's fascinating, but almost every exhibit that has anything to do with the history of man has a sign up and it says everything here is wrong. And they just don't have the funding right now to – because they would have to effectively redo the entire museum for anything that has to do with dinosaurs and um, like the, the whole Homo sapien history thing because it's all wrong. It's all that 50s, 60s style caveman with a club. And that was the image of Neanderthal when I was a kid. Shoot, we even had – what was it? Encino Man with Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. Who was the frozen caveman, you know? And, and uh, then there was another movie that came out in the 80s that was, I think it was like The Iceman or something like that. And they thought him out. And again, super primitive type thing. Now, uh, now let's be fair. Encino Man, probably the most accurate one because he, he's a person. You could just shave him and turn him into a normal guy. Like, that's yes, you just, could. That, you could. That wasn't wrong. Uh, but the other one, and I'll have to figure out what it was, the Iceman one where they kind of put him in this special biodome and thought him out, it was a very different thing. And then there's the movie The Quest for Fire that had Ron Perlman in it um, where they played Neanderthal and, and played them up as these very, very almost more ape than man. Right? That was the image I grew up with. Right? That's yes. what I was taught. Um, 
And, I mean, really, it's almost like it was prophetic that we had those amazing trilogy of movies come out with the Lord of the Rings and show us this whole world of humans standing alongside uh, near humans, elves, dwarves, halflings, hobbits. And then just a few years later, all of this information explodes is what it felt like. That, that yeah, Those so movies got... almost opened the floodgates to archaeology and this new idea around what our ancestors are. I would say more like the books probably gave that. I mean, because that's that's been the well, last. The books have been around since the 30s. But they've been talking about some of these things for a long time. I mean, yeah, at least I, some I, of these things. I'm just saying, found. coincidentally, it feels like yes. those came out. And then in 03, they found the Hobbit, the Homo Floriensis, right? Uh, so not much later, they actually found that, that little smaller than four foot species. And. I remember us talking about it when it first came out because there was a lot of speculation that, oh, this must be a mutant or this must have been a diseased person or there was something wrong. And when they finally got all the DNA back and they talk about this in the show, there's no genetic abnormality. It's a different species. It's not a pygmy person, right? Uh, or a dwarf person. It's a completely separate subspecies. And then the thing that really hit me out of this whole episode that deals with all this stuff is that island has always been an island, even when the sea levels were lower. It has never been connected to a continental landmass, the island hmm. of Florence in Indonesia, which means up until this point, it's been understood that only modern humans traveled on the water. So how did they get there? And so our whole concept of sea navigation may be blown out of the water, that other species may have tried. There has to be a way. Now, granted, we only have evidence in one cave for Homo floriensis, but somehow they traversed several hundred miles of ocean to get to that island, and we don't know how. There's just not enough evidence right now. Just just because we've only found one cave worth of evidence isn't doesn't mean we need to dismiss it though, because the we've only got one cave of evidence for the Denisovans as well. Yeah, and even less there because we have yes. like part of a jawbone and a couple of and teeth. Part of a, and I think a finger. I feel Maybe like there's part a finger of a bone. There's in not there much. Somewhere. There's, there's nowhere not a lot. near as much of the skeleton. But from that, we found okay. Now giants walked the earth, and not the giant ape, the Gigantopithecus, that some people like to talk about, because the Denisovans they're saying are seven to eight feet tall. Based on the skull and based the on bones. the teeth, yeah, and, and it, specifically the teeth and the jawbone, because the the teeth are almost double the size of a modern human's tooth, which is huge. Because we have giants today. We have Andre the Giant. We have uh, the Big Show, the professional wrestler. Uh, there's another professional wrestler, uh, almost who's over seven foot tall. The but mountain. But their jaws and their teeth. Uh, the guy who played the mountain in Game of Thrones. You're right. Mm -hmm. But their skulls aren't double the size of ours, right. which, you know, th there's a there's a huge amount of muscle mass and stuff that comes along with that. Um, so this is a fascinating topic for, for me. I've loved it. I really got hooked back into it. I don't remember if you remember the show, Walking with Cavemen, when BBC did that I, series in the early aughts. I just picked up the, found it at a, at a thrift shop. I just picked up 
one of those like the <laughs> book, the companion book to that. Mm, that's cool. Uh, I'll have to. I'll have to. I need to read through it. But if you it, on the same thing, if you really take the the three hundred thousand year point that we're at back. Yeah. Let's see. Sorry, my audio is bad. I'll fix this on the back end here. I was too loud, I think. Okay, there we go. We're still living. <laughs> so we've got, if you take a look at, at the 300,000 year for Homo sapiens, let's not even get into the fact that That's it the be, mark. That's our, it, that's it, our goalpost right there, now. There are studies that push it potentially back to 900 to a million years if you look at teeth and, and all sorts of things mm -hmm. like that. But put that aside. Let's just sit with the number of 300,000. We know 300,000. We, we, we have physical. Bones. We have we bones. It. That means we coexisted with the Denisovans who were around, you know, up and, up to before, well, 500,000 years ago. Neanderthals. Actually, Homo the, floriensis. The evidence Homo, from... Homo erectus. Homo Heidelberg against us and Homo, I can't, it's Naladi. But that's one, two, three, four, five, six. That's six other hominid species that we shared the planet with. And if you take it back even farther, there's a couple more. Well, I was going to say, and, and they said in the episode, and I haven't verified this, that we have bones now for 21 different hominid species that are somehow in some way shape or form related to homo sapien not in Absolutely. a linear form and that's the other thing they talked about we used to think this was a straight line but now we think of it more like a growing bramble bush where stuff is all over the place um but t at least 21 species and, and you let's say you know half those we probably shared the planet with at some point at the same time. Right. And I think the you sent me an article earlier, I found it, that mentions the idea that that just 7% of our DNA is unique to modern humans. Yes. Uh, which means that we're not that much different than Neanderthals and honestly 7% is quite a bit, but we share a lot of D we share 98% of our DNA with with chimpanzees and pigs. So like, and pigs don't look anything like us. So obviously 7% is, is more, but you know, that doesn't really mean anything. You know, if they, I don't know. Well, let's take it a step further. Many species, non-human species can breed together. A horse and a donkey can make a mule, right? Right. Most of those are sterile. Very few mules can breed true. And we have found, and they talked about this in the episode, and I've done this, 23andMe has released the let's see how much Neanderthal you have in you. Mm -hmm. And we know we are not a unique species. We are a hybrid. We are a hybrid species. Yes. I am a hybrid. I have significantly more DNA from Neanderthal in me than like your wife did, right? right. Um, when I did the test, at it said I have... More Neanderthal DNA than like 98 95% of everyone else they've tested so yeah. far with 13 unique characteristics coming from both of my parents. Now, both of my parents didn't have all 13, but I pulled from both of my parents. So that was really interesting to me uh, to find out. It's like, 
I am Neanderthal, you know, at least a little bit. I'm a, you know, I'm a little bit of a caveman and you haven't done that one yet. Have you? I have not done that one. I've, uh, I did mine through ancestry. Cause when I did my DNA, I was actually doing, um, genealogy. Ge- thank you. Genealogical research. I was trying to figure out my family tree. It was something my grandmother had started. We could do. I could do a whole episode on that. That's stuff. Yeah. it's interesting. But that's sort of. So I, I need to do that one. I haven't done it yet. But I and also don't. I think you also did yours really early. Like when you did your DNA test, mm-hmm. this Neanderthal thing wasn't a thing. No, it wouldn't yeah. have been a thing. No, and the only reason we did Leslie's was because she was she's adopted, so she was curious about. Mm-hmm. About her, that she wanted to do all the medical stuff that's on Twenty Three and Me, which is, which is amazing. The fact that we can look at your DNA and go like, well, you know, you should be getting this test and this test and this test just to make sure, you know, you're not, you're not going to, you know, you're susceptible to these things. It's yeah, I, I just pulled mine up. It says I have greater than two percent Neanderthal DNA. I have two hundred and ninety-three variants in my DNA that trace back to Neanderthal. Now that's out of over seven thousand four hundred and sixty-two variants that they have tested. That's a so, lot. Yeah, but you know, almost three hundred variants, and you know, little things like I didn't realize the hitchhiker's thumb, where your thumb curves back, that's a Neanderthal trait. You know, so I've got it. Oh well, then I've got it. You've got it. Yeah. Well, you and I are boss also both, you know, European descent, so mm-hmm. we have a significantly higher chance of of having it in our genetic line. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and, and this is just a little neat tidbit from the 23andMe. It says in 2010, scientists sequenced the Neanderthal genome for the first time, leading to the discovery that most people can trace up to 2% of their DNA to Neanderthals who lived throughout Western Eurasia from Wales to Southern Siberia and near the Atli mountains. So that's, that's just kind of cool. Um, and we found now that there's evidence of the Neanderthals doing more than we give them credit for. I want to say, more. I think I may have saved it. I, I want to say that they they we found evidence of them cooking, and I'm trying. Oh yeah, to... no, there's definitely there's evidence of cooking with Neanderthal. Um, there's evidence of um, art. We've mm-hmm. now identified distinctive ah, cave art. The Neanderthal. Um, we found they bury we found, their dead. We found some specific. I, I I can I'll drop the article in the notes here. But we actually found evidence of at ninety thousand years ago, specifically of Neanderthals cooking crabs. They actually found uh-huh. evidence of there so there was a, a fire and they were they were basically cooking and eating them right there. But they were not far from the water, and so it was very clear they had gone and caught them and brought them in and then made a fire and cooked them and eaten them. And and, and to cook shellfish is an important thing because raw shellfish is not safe by and large, right? right. <clears throat> uh, but we, we have evidence that they lived in tribal groups or small family clannish groups and that they buried their dead. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull my, uh, my religious studies hat here. The concept of burying your dead with stuff leads to the idea of the concept of an afterlife, which is foundational to the idea of faith and religion. Now, I'm not saying that they were Catholic, right? But there are the underpinnings of what we need to know about a culture that we were studying today, if they were a hunter-gatherer culture, to say they have some kind of faith-based superstition. 
which is really what a religion is. There, there's an, there's a organizational piece to that. Like that, regardless of want to call it religion or whatever, they have created some sort of tradition that they are yes. partaking in that moment, and that that's significant of something. Which, which is important because in some of the studies, and this comes from like Walking with Cavemen, which is an older show and maybe somewhat outdated. They talk about earlier hominids that they think mourned their dead but didn't bury them and didn't leave anything with them. So the concept of loss is there, but the concept of something after wasn't yet. And we know with Neanderthal that they had a concept of mm-hmm. something after. Right. Um, and it was it was really striking. I loved how they – because there's a scene in this episode of The Unexplained where – they have like um, a wax museum figure of a Neanderthal, and he's in a three-piece suit. And they said, "Right, you know, if you were to dress up a Neanderthal today and teach him our language, which they should be able to learn, you probably couldn't tell they were a Neanderthal if they shaved." Right. You know, which is just mind-blowing from what I grew up with. Well, I mean, and we can keep going back with this. I'm looking at my my little timeline that I've been putting together. We go 400,000 years ago. We've got evidence of uh, Homo sapiens 400,000 years ago, not bones, but evidence. You go back 700 and 780,000 years ago. We've got evidence of humans cooking fish. Yes, 780. Early humans may not have been humans. May have been some other. Maybe hominid, not Homo but sapien, some, but some something hominid. was cooking cooking fish. You go back 1.2 million years ago, they found 600 obsidian hand axes in mm-hmm. Ethiopia. Keep going. So let's say we go back to 2.6 million years ago. We've got early hominids using stone tools. It's it's crazy is this this and keeps going back so this is this is fascinating again this is from the 23andme website it's it's called finding common ground in the neanderthal section it says studying the neanderthal genomes revealed we share a common ancestor who lived over 550,000 years ago the common ancestor and they they throw in a possibly here possibly uh, homo heidelbergensis gave rise to at least 3 lineages Humans in Africa, Neanderthals in Europe and West Asia, and Denisovians. I'm probably not saying that right. Denisovians in Asia. Denisovans. So, Denisovans. Yeah. I, it's a. Tr- it's taken me forever to get that one. Well, and so um, the 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 problem with that though is that Homo heidelbergensis. You know, while they call that one out, actually, is probably not where that comes from. I think it's probably earlier than that. Just based on. The numbers that I mean, and I granted it could be I could be off a little bit on what I've pulled out here, but like I've got six hundred to two hundred and two hundred thousand year time frame for those. Definitely, they could be older, but I think we're older than that. So I think I think and, and like they said, they threw out a possibly right, right. Um, uh, and then what's really interesting is we had a common ancestor, we split off, and then we came back together, right? And you know, and, and this evidence gets keeps getting pushed because I remember. Originally, like, we maybe met them right before they went extinct. That was what I first heard, like, at 50,000 years ago. And now they're saying around 60,000 years ago, a, a group of humans left Africa and interbred with the Neanderthal. We know that now genetically. So we've pushed that number back even further. 
Um, and, and they said, if we were to, this is fascinating. This is again from the 23andMe website. If we were to add up all of the Neanderthal DNA present in the entire human population today, we could piece together 40% of the pure Neanderthal genome. That's amazing. That's a lot. That's a well, lot. And so let's let's actually take a second and talk about DNA, though, because what which 40 percent and like because uh, because if you Doesn't really say it's a I, blurb, but yeah, no, I know. But I, I'm just I'm sort of talking in, uh, hypothetically, though, because I, I have been reading a couple books on DNA and most of our genetic code, a significant portion, somewhere over 90% of our genetic code, is actually considered junk. It doesn't actually it's, – it's, apparently there's a lot of repetition. Like there was – I remember yeah. – again, I don't remember which book it was, but it was something like it was a, a, a 250-character, you know, G-A-B-C-D, you know, the, 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 the code of the DNA – and it's like a 250 carat, maybe it's even longer than that. But then it like it repeats just a thousand times or something like that. Uh, and that there's a lot of what we call what we've decided is is garbage in there. So putting together 40 percent of the Neanderthal genome might be enough to bring them back if we if we really even wanted really to. Wanted we're going to bring back the woolly mammoth. So why not? You know, and and that's that's a whole nother episode. You know, um, uh, a what is it? De-extinctioning creatures, yeah. um, it's which I find fascinating. And some of them I kind of lean toward. Some of them I'm not so sure. I mean, it, it, just to throw I it out there, the, the Tasmanian tiger. We made the Tasmanian tiger extinct, right? If it is. Because yeah. uh, there's some evidence there may be a small population still out there. But we did that through overhunting. So I have no problem with bringing that back. The dodo, some of those kind of things, right? Now, do we need to go like full I... on Jurassic Park? I don't know. That's a that's another. I one. feel like I just saw something somewhere that was saying we actually had less to do with the dodo than we thought we did. It went extinct made... during modern human history. Let me just put yeah. That I like think we... I think more. I think more of what the idea was they were saying that that we've sort of taken that on as our fault, and it's like. We might Maybe not have actually done that. Like, yeah. like did, uh, did we help? Probably not. But I don't think it was like we killed them all. Yeah, it may, it may be something like the, the bobwhite quail in Texas. And for people who don't know, that's a bird that's native to Texas. And when I was a kid, they were everywhere. You could go out and whistle bobwhite, uh, that, that, that sound, the bobwhite sound, and they would rep reply. But they nest on the ground. And... Everyone has said that they're they're basically gone due to overhunting, and we found out it's actually the introduction of the fire ant into oh, North America that, do it. that has devastated the pheasant and the bobwhite quail population <laughs> because their eggs are on the ground and the fire ants eat the eggs and the babies, and that has devastated them more than anything else. Fire ants are evil. I've always hated fire destroyed. ants. They're not native to the U.S., and we should find a way to exterminate them. Um, I don't think that can happen. Thing. I don't think so either. There's some uh, – I, I that's another one of those. Like I remember hearing something about like ant biomass is actually larger than human biomass. Biomass. Well, what's real interesting, yeah. a, a, a side note to the fire ants, they seem to be moving north and they had stopped because of the cold line. But now they seem to be hibernating. And so that almost seems as if they're adapting to move further north. Oh, that's and good. And so the northern states may have to deal with fire ants soon. And ha, 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 you can deal with those horrible things. 
Uh, fire ants are bad. Um, fire ants are terrible. But this this okay. history of humanity is just. I mean, I've always been fascinated, and now it's like at some point in history we were living in a Dungeons and Dragons world with dwarves and elves and hobbits and you know they may and not I'm have all gonna... interacted at the same time, but the potential was there. And I'm going to just say it because I'm crazy. I think dragons were real. I think yeah. that... We know the I mean, Komodo was know, there. We know that the that the, the the Yucatan asteroid that killed off the dinosaurs, you know, they, they have sort of changed the statement to killed all of the non-avian dinosaurs because we know that like the chickens, Have they? I haven't the seen birds. that. Yeah, I've been hearing that recently where they're starting to be like, it killed the non-avian dinosaurs, you which know, is... There is the legend of the Thunderbird, and there have right. been pterodactyl, pterodactyl-type sightings throughout North America, throughout modern history, up into like the 80s and the 90s, yeah. and so... They're probably gone now. Well, we say that, but we don't know. Pro I mean, probably. And, and here's the reason I'm going to throw this out there. They just identified a species of whale native to the Gulf of Mexico that is distinct and unique and is a large filter-feeding whale. Hmm. This year, we're not we, talking we something small. We also don't explore the ocean very well. No, but it's, whole... it breaches, and they've seen it, and they just assumed it was something else, and it's not. It's a... Separate species. Wow. Okay. So you're and you're well, talking a twenty-five ton ocean going animal that has been seen right. by people for hundreds of years. And they're like, no, it's this other thing. Well, no, it's actually not. We keep we keep finding what new I was stuff. Saying, dragons are real. Okay. No, it's it well, but I I, I, I come at this. Give me from, your evidence from the, dragons I, are real. I have no evidence, but the only okay. evidence that I have is we know that one percent of animal species get fossilized, and yes. we found maybe one person, one to two percent of that. Because we don't really look for that stuff. We, I mean, there are people who go out and go to places to, you know, hunt dinosaur bones and things like that. But most of the stuff we find is like, hey, we were digging a road, and those are some bones. We found so something. someone needs to come yeah. figure out what these are. And and and, and, so, and they also tend to be. What's interesting about that. They tend to come in areas where fossilization was probable possible. and possible. And there's one we're going to look at at some point later in Waco where they have found a statistically massive number of mammoths. Uh, it's a national monument, uh, Mammoth National uh, Park in Waco, Texas. It's an, And it's an area that was a – it's been a kind of a creek river type area and has been prone to flooding – for millennia and they've found them in what have looked like flash floods that killed multiple mammoths and buried them and so they keep finding them layer on top of layer and they found more than one what they call a breeding herd of mammoths well you don't just find that everywhere it, ha right. it just happens to be right there uh but you're right i mean and how many how many fossils have been found dug up they thought it was something else destroyed lost how much stuff sitting in the smithsonian somewhere in a from that scene from the indiana jones where everything's just boxed up and they haven't gone through it all so, uh, or the british museum or i mean so i told so you stuff. about 
the Boneyard Alaska guy who was on Rogan six yes. months ago. Okay. Yes. He went on Rogan and said, you know, he's pulling all those mammoth skulls out of that big thing. And But he said that they, you know, in the 30s, had, a bunch of stuff had been sent up to there and it had been dumped in the bay. Do you remember him talking yeah. about this? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create a bone rush or whatever. Someone pulled something out of the bay. Someone yes, they found pulled a couple of things a, out of the bay. A cat, I think they found a cat jaw. And I, I, did, I only saw that there had been one thing. So they, Well, so people hunting for those also just happened to pull out a giant cache of firearms that had been illegally smuggled into the country <laughs> in the <laughs> same funny. area. And yeah, nice. so they're finding stuff in the bay now that, they're, that has been dumped in the bay. Uh, but the Smithsonian admitted they dumped all those bones. They just dumped the bones in the water because they didn't have anywhere to store them. So well, yeah, we ran out of room in the water. I mean, my what God, how many private collectors American would be giant interested? bones? Yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> that's another one I want to talk about is the giants. Because we now have DNA and fossil evidence that a giant hominid existed. Right. So... Oh my God, all of a sudden, is that pure speculation? Was their range bigger than we thought it was? Were there land bridges earlier where people came across? You know, there's because we... it was Asia. They were Siberia, Asia. So there, who's to say that at some point in the past, that land bridge didn't open and they moved over into the North America? Because here's or the problem with North have... America. Here's the problem with North America when it comes to this. And I understand where it comes from. And I respect where it comes from. But any ancient bones found in North America are considered tribal Native American bones. And they cannot excavate excavate them because of the laws to protect the Native American burial grounds, which were put in place after we committed genocide against the Native Americans. So this type of study of ancient hominid can't happen in North America. And I don't know how to balance that with the culture and respect that goes with Native Americans. I don't know the answer to that question. Because I have some Native American ancestry, and I don't want them digging up my ancestors, but at the same time, there's a layer at which, are you really Native American? Because we're seeing this site in Florence, right up the road, different Florence, Florence, Texas, which has the oldest tools that they found, which are thousands and thousands of years older than they thought. I mean, it's what? I think it's 16,000 years. I'd have to go look up the date. Um, but that's something we want to talk about later on, uh, is this dig site in Texas that has pushed the history of stone tool making in the Americas back significantly, like pre-Clovis. Well, Clovis, don't even say Clovis. Clovis is something well, that Clovis they is a type out. of point. Clovis, Clovis is a type of point that they associate with a particular culture when you get into flint napping. That's how I right. refer to and Clovis. Right, and there was sort of this Clovis. Clovis culture and thing that was yes. put together that's been abandoned. So the Florence site is dating between sixteen and 21,000 years. For so the, that is sig- for human occupation and tool use. Well, uh, yes, yeah. They were, they found blades, projectile points, engraving tools, and scrapers that date between sixteen sixteen seven and twenty one seven. So yeah, that's a, that's that's significantly older than. I mean, that is considering that is pre- we grew up, we grew up being told that humans didn't cross until the 
last ice age and may have come into the Americas around 10,000 years ago. And the that funny was... thing is, is they may have showed up 10,000 years ago, which is right after the utter and complete devastation of North America. Absolutely. And no so... one says that another wave didn't come through. But right. we grew up being taught no, no hominid, it. no hominid reached America or the Americas before 10,000 years ago. Period. Right. It was it was a virgin territory. Right. And we now know for a fact that is not true. We have this evidence in Florence, Texas. We have the footprints that they found not long ago in the southwest that there's a lot of argument about the dating around. And the, the mammoth bones in California. Mm hmm. That they Which were pretty sure had been used, old. had tools used on. Those came out of a highway dig, if I'm remembering correctly. They were doing like highway construction and found them. Um, so the history of our species is just absolutely fascinating and way more complicated than we ever thought it was. And what fascinates me is even though these discoveries have been happening, there's still this resistance to update the textbooks and educate people and make this mainstream and really get it out there and break down these concepts of just Neanderthal was a dumb caveman who couldn't do anything more than pick up a stick. Right. This is wrong. I, I, Just plain wrong. We know it's wrong. So how do we get people to start talking about this, this diversity? And where did they go? And what's next? That's my question. Like, we, we look back at all this. But what's coming? How do we get to the next thing? Where does the next thing come from? Like, we're my, building my... it right now on the computers. Oh, don't even start. I mean, uh, but, I mean, think about that concept, though. We talk about the, the concept of evolution and all this stuff, and have we seen a new species evolve? No, not that we know I mean, of, at least. Not that we know of. I mean, maybe we haven't, we just didn't realize it. But we know a lot of hominids came from stuff. So where's the next one coming? Or are we it? Are we the end of the line? That's an, you know that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately. Are we the end of the line, or is there going to be some aberration, change, or mutation that's going to lead to something else? It's possible that we could be the end of the line because we're the last ones. There isn't any more potential for that significant interbreeding that was happening. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe, or maybe it, maybe it happened. Like maybe that, you know, we had five, six groups that were left and, and this is what it is. That's why we see a little bit of everything in our DNA yeah. because this is the end. This was, yeah, we're, we're the last the one because we're final not, form. we're not homo sapien separate. We are homo sapien hybrid of other things. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that just concept to me, it's like, what, what does it take to trigger a new, Whatever, you know, it's a full that's paradigm break. It's a yeah. full paradigm break. And that's I mean, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother discussion. Um, um, I mean, I love the idea of 
you know, what they did with the second Black Panther, where something happened and they evolved to breathe water, you know, yes. and be stronger and handle pressure and, you know, of, of all of that. And, and it made them super strong. So maybe, you know, what's what's the next trigger? Is it is it all the plastics like we were talking about the other day? Is it all the plastics? Is it is it all the foodstuffs? Um, is it going to be a change in the radiation coming through our ionosphere? What is it going to take? Because, I mean, let's just take melanin, skin color, right? At different points in the planet, we de developed different levels of color of skin to protect from UV radiation, right? Right. At least that's the theory as I understand it for why we have the variation in pigmentation that we have. Um, and where does that, you know, I don't know, this, this whole concept just... I love where we've come from, but lately I've been thinking, well, where do we go? What's next? And one uh, one argument of that is the next that we are the breeding ground of AI. That this is where the yeah. you know the larval form of AI before we become you know some sort of cyberpunk. That's one that's one thing. Another one that's interesting, and I don't know if you've read The Expanse or watched The Expanse, um, but uh, in that book series, which is fascinating, if anyone's looking for a great book series, The Expanse series is great. Humans colonize Mars and the, the outer planet asteroid belts. And over several, it doesn't say how many, but several hundred years, multiple generations, Martians begin to grow slightly different, and the people in the belt grow different because of the low-gravity environments. The, the belters are tall, elongated, thinner. Um, they, they, they have bigger heads, longer heads, because they, don't, they, they live in microgravity, so they develop a different skeletal structure. Martians also have a less pronounced change in their skeletal structure and, and bone mass and all of that. And then the humans are people from Earth, uh, and they're all human, but people from Earth. And what's funny is in the book, they call them squats because they're smaller, shorter, denser, stronger. Mm. And, and depending on how long your family's been in the asteroid belt, how long you've been exposed to microgravity, and a whole bunch of other stuff like what drugs you got when you were pregnant with a kid or whatever, um, some people have the potential to reacclimate to a gravity well. Some people don't. Which leads into other stuff in the book. But, you know, that almost leads toward leaning toward three separate subspecies of Homo sapiens in that book based on gravity and microgravity and the environment you grew up in. So maybe that's the next step because that's leading out into the solar system, which that's what I'm hoping is we get off planet so we don't get wiped out by an asteroid strike. You know, um, I'm hoping we expand out. I want Star Trek. I want the Federation. I want us to be across a galaxy-spanning species. Hopefully we'll do a better job as we move out. But that concept fascinates me, and it's driven by what all we've had before. Mm -hmm. And I, you, I know you've been there. Um, not this spring break, but last spring break, I took the boys, and we went to the Houston Museum of Natural Science, which is an amazing museum. And we spent hours on the fossil floor, because they have an entire floor that's the fossil floor. I think your buddy got married there. Um, mm -hmm. And in one section there, 
just deals with the hominids. And they have right. all these skulls and pieces of skulls and just like this monster board of all of these images where they've drawn what they are and what they think they were and what they think they look like. And it's just fascinating. It is. I mean, it's spectacularly fascinating. And then there's all the stuff that we didn't even touch on with this episode. And again, we're talking, this started with, I watched the unexplained with William Shatner, the missing link episode, because what if these things didn't go extinct? Or what if they evolved into something else? And that's the back half of the episode. And uh, I think we're we'll t- we can talk about that one next time. Absolutely. No, this is just. I mean, I think the the one it's thing a show that itself. I, I I mean, it's right. an episode itself, right? To talk about right. all of that. The the one thing I can say for certain, though, is that I don't think we have any idea what actually happened. I think we are all, no. all of us, even the scientists, we're all just wildly speculating on the little bits and pieces of knowledge that we have and trying to piece Absolutely. it together. And I don't think we're going to figure it out. Because, because th- I hope we figure more of it out. But we will, but not just, all of it. Just the idea that think about in 2003, they found a handful of bones from a couple of skeletons in one cave on an island in Indonesia and blew up our entire understanding of what was going on. That's all it took. Right. And it completely blew it up. And then the Neanderthal we one. Went, all of a sudden at that point we had to go like, well, maybe, maybe these bones were something that we didn't think they were. Maybe this is something different. And then all of yeah. a sudden it sort of, we started to break it apart. And, and as we've dated things and, and now we're getting, like better images of cave art for out of Europe, right? A lot of those sites are protected and they're doing a lot of studies on that. And we're finding, oh, no, no, no. This stuff is much older than we thought it was. We just assumed it was all Homo sapien. And okay, now it's Neanderthal mm-hmm. and we're finding more Neanderthal stuff. And um, uh, one, one of the things I want to talk about later on is like some of the stuff that's coming out of the permafrost out of Russia and Siberia mm-hmm. And all the stuff that we're finding there and some of the permafrost in Alaska. And we're finding so much stuff. And like you said, it's 1% of the stuff fossilizes. And we've maybe found 1% of that. Right. What don't we know? There's so much we don't know. Absolutely. Well, there's a there's a, a cave art of all the handprints. Have you seen that yes. one of all the handprints? Yes. That's you know, the one they think is... There's a hand on there? Yeah, I've seen I've seen stuff yeah, that talks about a, at least there's one. There's a six. I've seen pictures of it. Like I, you can find them online. There's a six-fingered mm-hmm. hand on that wall, and we don't know how uh, they made it. You know, yeah, it, I mean, it maybe, could have I, been a six-fingered hand. It could have been an artist interpretation where they like laid it over again and made a sixth finger. I mean, we we know the concept of like how they do that. Like you put the handprint up. And you spray the paint on it, or you put the paint on your hand, and you put it on. Yeah, we know we there's like we've the, the the what do they call it? Um, there's this idea of trying to figure out how people did things. It's like practical archaeo no uh, historical archaeology or recreative archaeology. I'm I'm blanking on the term. People who flint nap, people who are trying to redo primitive skills, and uh, they're, they're trying to relearn this stuff through experimental archaeology. I think that may be it. Um, it's experimental archaeology. Experimental yeah. archaeology. 
And so we don't know that we're doing it right, but we're trying it. And we're trying it in a lot of places, right? Not just primitive stone tools and primitive painting. There's a whole experimental archaeology school on how did the Romans do the things that they did with like Roman weapons and things and Greek weapons and stuff. They just um, figured out Roman concrete. I saw that. I haven't read the article, it's but you sent quick, it to it's me. It's quicklime and seawater. And it creates an exothermic reaction when they do that. And so it ends up leaving like giant clumps of lime in there in the okay. concrete. It doesn't fully mix. And so when it cracks, the water gets in the crack and it reactivates that chemical interaction and it fixes itself. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's crazy. Who I knew? mean, let, let's be honest. The Romans built roads 2,000, 3,000 years ago. And they're in better shape than our highways are now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a good place to call it. Let's, uh, yeah. let's stop it there. We'll see you guys next time. It's been fun. We will talk about weird stuff. See you next time.